0: Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast for Friday, December the 10th. In this week's edition, we're going to talk about the special session of the Arkansas Legislature, Republican gerrymandering, and Little Rock School District Superintendent Mike Poore's impending resignation. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So I say as usual, but we have not been usual yeah, we, lately. Yeah, uh, we've
1: missed We've missed a few
0: tra- travel is and, and other things have gotten in the way. And this this may be the last episode of the year. If it is, we will return in January. So stick with us. We're we're we've had some bumps, but we'll get back in a routine. Uh, lots to talk about this week. Let's start with uh, the Arkansas legislature. The the bad news is that. Uh, a, a massive tax cut that really only benefits the wealthy uh, sailed through. The good news is that the uh, ultra ultra right wing of the party, the wing nuts, were not able to muster enough votes to extend the session to pass an anti critical race theory type bill or the Texas style abortion ban.
1: For now, at least. For now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's a sad day when you're find a victory in the inability of the legislature to meet a few extra days and pass more terrible stuff. But I mean, in this day and time, I guess it passes for good news. But the session was called uh, to increase the income tax, uh, decrease the income tax, and boy, did they. Uh, 30 to four vote in the Senate. I think it got 82 votes in the House. It was just a done deal from start to finish. And uh, much celebration, uh, even a few Democrats voted for it. Uh, I mean, I can understand it to a degree. I I think it'll be hard to run against an opponent saying my opponent voted against an income tax cut. Uh, I thought there were principled arguments made against cutting the tax this much. Uh, and that we don't do adequate services in Arkansas, and that and that the the cuts overwhelmingly favor the rich. Seventy-three percent of the savings of a half billion dollars a year, and it's probably going to end up being bigger than that. We'll go to the top twenty percent, the top one percent, fifteen thousand taxpayers are going to get an average of ten thousand dollars each in in uh, in tax cuts, and uh, the poor. And they had to fight to do this, by the way. They included a sixty dollar tax credit, or at least up to sixty dollars for people making up to minimum wage. It actually phases out toward the higher end of the lower end of the pay scale, which is sixteen cents a day. And and I've been reliably informed that there were a number of Republicans that didn't want to put that in there. That they think they've given enough to poor people already, and they don't deserve a credit. And by the way, this is not an earned income tax credit. You don't get any money. If you don't have a tax liability, you can only get a few dollars of taxes you paid back. So this is a mean and selfish uh, legislature that's working for the rich and not for public interest. And Democrats tried on the floor to bring up where our services are in short supply. Thousands of people on the on the waiting list for aid, to developmentally disabled people, the need for pre-K, poor uh, postnatal care for pregnant mothers. Uh, Increasing number of, of children who aren't insured uh, for health needs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But the answer to that was is that's what not what this session is about. And we were not cutting anything. Well, are not. But they're not increasing anything anyway. And they're not examining whether what we're spending now is enough. So I mean, but I'm and I say these things, and I'm in the distinct minority. I would recommend people to go to our website, Arkansas Blog, and take a look at a piece I picked up that was written by my district state senator, Clark Tucker, about why he was one of the four people who voted against the bill. And he's going to face re-election next year, and he'll undoubtedly have a Republican opponent who will hammer him for that vote. But he makes a pretty good case. Part of it is the case about not having evaluated what our needs in the state were first and how, for example, $37 million could have fixed the developmentally disabled waiting list alone. But I thought he pointed out something that, that needed more attention, that and that is when fully in place, and well, actually, with the new tax rates that will go in effect next year, uh, somebody making thirty-nine thousand dollars a year, which is a beginning school teacher, or, or or maybe not even that much in some school districts in Arkansas, are going to be taxed at the same rate on their top dollar income as a billionaire, as a Walton. Is. And it's just, you know, just something not particularly fair about that. So, But that's uh, <laughs> the argument from Republicans was, is, is saying, well, these these people are going to get like a $20 tax cut. And they were, they were paying 40 so that's a 50% tax cut. That's a better tax cut than the rich guys got. I mean, fun with numbers. You know, it was.
0: Yeah, that's the most disingenuous argument. <laughs> <of
1: the year. laughs> it was kind of hard to listen to, but. But as you say, Jason Rayford and Mary Bentley and Trent Garner were denied on whipping up on on uh, women's medical rights and on preventing discussion of rampant racial discrimination in America. And so at least for the time being, however, the news on abortion is so bad, I'm afraid from the U.S. Supreme Court that in time uh, they will pass all of this and worse. I mean, the, the Supreme Court decision today that said uh, the Texas vigilante anti-abortion bill can stay in effect and is just a disaster. Uh, Sonia Sotomayor wrote a a great dissent that said this is nullification. They've allowed Texas to nullify what has been a constitutional right to an abortion in America. And so it's not just about abortion. The state can... Nullify any number of other things. I think we'll find states that will try and nullify same-sex marriage or contraceptives or, or who knows what. These are these are dim dim and dark times for women's medical rights. That's for sure. I thought
0: it was interesting that uh, at least one, but I assume more uh, of Senator Rapert's colleagues. This was uh, uh, Senator Bill Sample. Saw Rapert's uh, attempt to extend the session to do the abortion, and he also had um, uh, a bill that would provide tax credit to all law enforcement officers. That, that it's one of those things that you know sort of sounds good until you start digging into it, and and makes absolutely no sense in terms of policy. Uh, as as just transparent bids to give him campaign grist, he's running for lieutenant governor. It's a crowded field he's trying to get a hold get ahead of of the pack uh but i guess i was a little surprised that that uh there weren't the votes there that folks held firm were you
1: well on on the on the law enforcement tax credit or on 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 not not extending the session
0: well uh, yeah i guess the law enforcement tax credit was a little bit different but uh it was, it seems, just sort of all of a
1: piece. The, the uh, I think the leaders of the House and Senate, Matthew Shepard and Jimmy Hickey, had pretty well put this in place at the outset. The, the problem was, and Jimmy Hickey said it, it, it wasn't, I mean, none of them were abortion defenders, that's for sure. Uh, and they made that very clear, but the minute. You allow the session to be opened in the name of just fixing up this little old abortion bill. Then you open it up to anything. I mean, you, you've taken the lid off. And, and they've already spent hundreds of days in session and drawn a, a tremendous amount of money. Hickey pointed out it'd have to be a supplemental appropriation to pay for these more days and who knows how long it would last.
0: And, and Christmas is coming. People.
1: Yeah, and Christmas is coming and they're gonna be meeting again in January for the fiscal session and the same rules will apply. They can suspend the rules and, and they and take up anything they wanna take up. And Jason Rapert will be running in the primary and you can be sure we'll hear from him and Mary Bentley again on this and 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 I, I think Jason Rapert said something that was correct yesterday. I mean, after all, they passed The the punitive anti-abortion bill that essentially banned abortion in Arkansas despite court precedents that said it was unconstitutional with overwhelming votes in both the House and the Senate. And I I don't have any reason to believe that will be any different when when that's teed up again. So they're just going to have to wait a little while and they got their day to do some some of their rhetorical flourishes and they'll be back.
0: Final thought before we leave this behind, Uh, this was. This The tax cut was hailed by the governor and other supporters as the largest in the history. But, of course, Sarah Sanders and others have campaigned on eliminating income tax altogether. So this this is likely just a start.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned that because, among other behind-the-scenes discussions I had yesterday, you may remember that the governor's plan was to cut the top bracket to 5.3%. And they ended up going even farther to 4.9% on the top bracket. And that came as a result of a push from the House. And there was that, that had an element of politics in it as well as enriching the rich even more. I think there's a thought that by going this far and also putting the triggers on that cut taking effect only if there's a sufficient reserve fund on hand is meant to take the starch out of sarah huckabee sanders expected rise the governor's office it'll be very hard for her at least in her very first two years in office to come in and try and advance farther on her income tax plan than where they are now and so i think the thought is this takes a wind out of the sails on upping the the tax cut game Immediately, I think Governor Hutchinson was kind of asked about that yesterday at his news conference. He said, for right, well, "For right now, let's just be happy with what we've gotten done. This is a pretty big step forward. I mean, we now have the lowest top marginal rate of, of any of the surrounding states, except for Texas, which has no income tax but has other ways in which it taxes people pretty steeply. So, I think there was a, there was that was an interesting political satellite. I think."
0: All right, let's move on. Uh, we we didn't record last week, so we didn't get a chance to talk about redistricting. And uh, there's also uh, some shenanigans going on in Pulaski County with the Election Commission and the uh, Pulaski County Quorum Court redistricting process. So uh, Republicans are uh, predictably screwing with the maps to favor Republicans. Well, yeah,
1: the, the Republican uh, State Board of Apportionment approved uh, a, uh, their their map for the legislative redistricting, and it's almost certainly going to produce still more Republican members of the legislature by design, and it will likely kick out a couple of Democrats. And so we knew that was going to happen, and they did it. It's not; it doesn't, on its face, look as comically out of line shape-wise as the the proposal that's emerged. To redistrict the Pulaski County Corps Court. That's the Pulaski County governing body, a 15-member group that has been proposed by Evelyn Gomez, the Republican former chair of the election commission. And they took the unusual step of extending the public comment period after she turned up at the eleventh hour with this new map. And I did a little look at it today, finally. I mean, we already knew from Austin Bailey's reporting last week that it put six JPs together into three districts, which means three of them got to lose, which is part of the design. And this is nominally in the interest of, of expanding minority districts on the quorum court, which is pretty laughable because we know how much the Republican Party cares about minority interest. But <laughs> the quorum court's already 40% African-American and the county's 32% African-American. There's, there's not a demonstrable need to get better representation for African-Americans by redistricting. But what they've done is they've split up some, some Democratic power bases, my neighborhood, Hillcrest, for one, which is splintered into what are designed to become majority Black districts. I mean, they've got my house in a district that goes to Hanger Hill, to the east end of Little Rock, to downtown North Little Rock, to Levy, to Tie Plant, to the Dixie Addition, and almost to, to the border of McCallum, a little Black community up in northern Pulaski County. I mean, it jumps the Arkansas River. It has no regard for community interests, neighborhood interests, geographic boundaries. It's clearly a partisan map intended to increase from five the number of Republicans on the quorum court. The question is, is and they can do whatever they want because Republicans control the commission. They're going to meet on it next week. Will they approve this with a straight face? Uh, no, it's, I wouldn't bet against them, that's for sure.
0: Uh, any any consequences of the state reapportionment? Uh, I guess the one that's gotten the most attention is Megan Godfrey getting uh, well,
1: yeah, cut, they, cut out of her they,
0: district they, and then deciding they, they, to uh, hang it up. They
1: drew Megan Godfrey out of getting reelected in Springdale in the name of creating what they contend is barely a, a Latino majority population district, not Latino voting voter population majority for sure. And they have a plan to elect a Republican from that district and take it out of Democratic hands, and they likely will be successful. They've also altered the shape of uh, some Fayetteville districts that currently elect Democrats to make them more more pleasing for Republicans. There's going to be at least one fewer Democrat in the Senate, and they, they may have them drawn in a way where they can knock off another when They've drawn districts to knock off the African-American representative from Fort Smith. They've gone a district to knock off an african American representative from Mississippi county, and so uh you know it's just kind of insult to injury. They already control more than three fourths of the seats and at some point, I don't know, just let them have the whole damn thing, I suppose, because the outcomes it, when when the numbers are that small, you can't achieve very much i, I do think they did have a solid group of uh Democrats in the House, of which there are, what, 20-some-odd, which is a good base to put together something blocking a measure that needs an extraordinary vote total. And I think it was used to bring the session to an end, for example. I mean, they they accounted for a third of the 62 votes that voted to adjourn in the House. So there's that. I mean, but, but I mean, again, that's, that's straining hard to find something good out of what's going on out there.
0: All right, well let's let's move to Little Rock and the surprise announcement last night from LRSD Superintendent Mike Poor that it, he's gonna hang it up at the end of the school year.
1: I thought you wrote a great analytical piece on it last night on the news. I I mean I think it's I was in much the same position a lot of people were, not particularly excited when he was named by Johnny Key to take over. I was not happy that he'd fired Baker Curris and I kinda thought that we're having come from Bentonville might be an ally of the school choice movement backed by the Walton money. And, and he, that didn't turn out to be so. And whatever else you can say about him was, is he was just a relentless and tireless cheerleader for the district, just upbeat to without fault over and over again. And so, and I think in a way that made a lot of people feel better about the district and it's a district that needed some, some good feelings. In the end, we finally did get the, the, the millage refinanced. And so there's going to be a big building plan. All of that said, there, 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 there are two, two negative points. One is they just given him a big salary increase. And I think there were some people that I've talked to who rightly felt like, well, at least we're going to get one more year out of this, that he won't be leaving at the end of this school year. And, and, you know, I don't, he says he wants to spend more time with his family. I will see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. He's only 60 years old. I don't think he's through working. And I think there had been, I was told by somebody that there was some thinking that, well, that the heir apparent is Jeremy Owo, who was a deputy in the district. yeah, mm-hmm. And then, but then got hired to be superintendent at Jacksonville and give him a couple of years as a superintendent, of a smaller district. Then if, Ford stayed one more year. than the time was come to to elevate him to the job. Anyway, that's one person's theory. Not a particularly bad theory, I have to say. But now they're going to have to step up the job search, and uh, we have had extremely bad luck on that in the past. And some recent some recent superintendents, Dexter Suggs and Roy Brooks, come to mind. So 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 there's that's the, that's the other part of it. That he, his announcement now gives us the rest of the school year for the search process and I do think we're favored with a school board that gets along a little bit better than some previous school boards have. So maybe there won't be quite the divisiveness that that existed in some previous superintendent searches but but I ended up kind of I mean I certainly like Mike it's possible not to like him and I I think on balance I mean, we did get control of the district back. I, I think the fact that he was viewed as an amiable, congenial team player, by and large, by the state, uh, probably helped ease us out of of state control. The other yeah. negative I have to mention, though, is is uh, the glass is half empty for the school district. For me, I'm a pessimist by nature, and so discount me if if you will. But the state has. Is, is moving forward in quantum leaps on so-called school choice. They will rubber stamp any new charter school application that comes in. There's a new one they just approved. thats isn't going to open in Southwest Little Rock for another year or two, but it's going to be a huge addition to, to charter school seats. The way they've jimmied the charter school permit process, a single entity like a Lisa or an e can now open multiple campuses under their separate schools, but they're considered one school district. I mean, Lisa and East M are a couple of the biggest school districts in the state. Now they have so many students, never mind the explosion and, and virtual charter school students. And then on the on the horizon, I think we're going to see a quantum leap forward in school vouchers the next time the legislature gets a chance. And all of these things, bold old Badly for the Little Rock School District, which is going to be majority minority, it's going to be majority impoverished, and it has a has a hard road to hoe as it is, and that will only be exacerbated by people taking off for for other options that they perceive to be better for whatever reason. Sometimes for safety, sometimes for who knows what. So, in in some ways, Michael Poor may be getting out while getting is good.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair, but uh, the district is in better shape than it has been in, in, uh, in the last decade or so, and it just has gone through so much trauma. Mm-hmm. Losing deseg payments uh, while charter school seats were dramatically expanding was a, a really tricky tightrope to manage, and, and as you say, dealing with the state uh, you know while while not being a, a total pushover or uh, you know, I think if he would have you definitely could have played it in a way that made everyone suspicious of him and and uh, hurt him with teachers. Um, so to get through all that, and then hopefully with the pandemic behind us with the the millage extension, they've approved. Ah, uh, really significant salary increase for teachers. I mean, there are going to be challenges. It's it's no longer the largest school district in the state, but it's it's certainly the most complicated and and, and difficult. I noticed on our Facebook post, a number of people were like, "Oh, why he's leaving so quickly? He will, by the time he retires, be the longest tenured superintendent Literock has had in 50 years." So- Duh! and
1: it's a a tough it's a tough job yeah and it it just is and it's
0: a it's a seven day a week you know probably 10 12 hours a day job so i i don't blame him for being tired and and you're right we'll wait and see what he does i wouldn't be surprised if he takes some time off to to spend with family um but yeah i'm i'm great yeah
1: i I don't i i hold no rancor about it at all i'm Just say that there are those issues but but no it's hard you know every day there's there's a fight at a school or there's a something or another and you know there's there's a a crisis a minute in the school district that spans the circumstances that this district spans so you know i get it yeah yeah
0: all right well let's let's leave it there and move on to endorsements what do you got this week
1: well, I've, I've, uh, I'd say go to New York, having just gotten back from there. I, I, I mean, I know it's not in everybody's ability to do it, and some people are still reluctant for COVID reasons, uh, and I'm one of the most reluctant travelers there is. What, one of the reasons I bring it up is to, again, say that New York has one of the lowest uh, new case rates and lowest death rates, and the reason is, is they've been really aggressive about public health policies. Uh, I can tell you, I went to New York City and I was not allowed on a Broadway show or any of the restaurants I visited without showing my vaccination card and a, a photo idea to prove that that was indeed my own vaccination card and mas- masks are required and they're worn and people follow the rules.
0: And so you feel
1: I mean I, I mean, I understand there are plenty of people out there undoubtedly who are not vaccinated and not masking, but you feel a certain greater degree of safety in a, in a, in a climate that, that has seemingly more concern about, and then the city's got these mobile vaccination vans parked all over Manhattan and they're testing spots all over on the streets. And so, uh, I mean, they're they're, for those who are willing to try. And and I think the, the airlines are doing a pretty good job of trying to, although the planes are pretty full and you have people sitting next to you, but, but all that being said, it's uh, about as safe as we seem likely to be these days, and uh, I'm about ready to try and venture out and a semi-return to normalcy. And if you're going to do that, there are worse places in the world to go than New York City. We saw To Kill a Mockingbird, which was just a really great performance. And then we saw Tina. And I'm not the biggest Tina Turner fan that ever lived. I mean, I, I mean she's of my era, certainly, although her era extended far beyond mine. But wow, what a show! I mean, the the finale is just—it's—it's it's knocked out. Great orchestra, great singer, great dancing, just great light effects. It's just uh, people are just going crazy. It's a—it's uh, a fun show. So if you get up there, watch Tina. It's—you'll—you'll uh, you'll have to enjoy it.
0: Well, sounds great. I'm jealous. Speaking of your era, Michael Nesmith, the former ah. monkey and heir to the liquid paper fortune, died today. Uh, his his solo albums are really worth investigating if you only know him from the Monkeys. But like the kind of cosmic country of the '70s, Graham Parsons and the like, uh, they're 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 quite good. The monkey song I think it was recorded late in their. Uh, Run Me and Magdalena uh, Which is basically just a Nesmith song Was was one of my One of the top songs in my rotation this year So
1: well, I, 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 I'll, have to check, I'll have to check that out I saw his, his obituary at 78 years old I said come on yeah. was Nesmith 78 I guess he was It's a really beautiful
0: song I was introduced uh, I DVR'd a bunch of old uh, Johnny Cash shows it's on some obscure channel, and was going through and saw him do a duet with Cash on it. It's just such a beautiful song. Uh, I'll I'll do another quick recommendation. I uh, earlier this year recommended, sort of, with reservations, Norman Rush's book Mating. Uh, the reservations were because it's it's a tome and it's often kind of dense, uh, but I read his. I guess, latest, maybe last book, Subtle Bodies, recently. uh, It's about a group of old college friends who come together and in an upstate New York uh, sort of mansion after a friend has died. And they kind of deal with all that and then have his his funeral service. Uh, Rush is really good at uh, writing about pompous self-deluded but often brilliant people and there's just a lot of great talking he also has always has really strong female characters and I think they're all modeled after his wife who seems like she's awesome and funny so I recommend that good place to start if you're interested in Norman Rush thanks for listening everybody stay safe out there and we'll be back Maybe not until 2022. So uh, happy holidays and new year.
1: Excuse me. Merry Christmas to all.